0: You're listening to Trek FM. Hi, this is Melinda Snodgrass. You're listening to Women at Warp.
1: Hi, and welcome to Women at Warp. Join us as our crew of four women Star Trek fans boldly go on our bi weekly mission to explore our favorite franchise. My name is Andy, and thanks for tuning in. Today we have our whole crew, including Sue. Hi, everybody. Grace. Hey. And Jara. Hello. Now, before we get started on our super fun topic today, I wanted to remind everybody that you are always welcome to donate to our Women at War Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash women at warp. We use that for a lot of really cool things, including going to conventions and upgrading equipment. Uh, feel free to check that out. We would really love that. So, today we are talking about having a feminist super crew. So, basically, the idea behind this is that we are going to pick for several positions on a hypothetical Starfleet starship? Star crew. Vessel uh, crew. Vessel?
2: Yeah, a vessel. I don't think it's a space station. Okay. Otherwise, we wouldn't need a helmsman. Right. Hel- helmsperson. <laughs> navigator. Navigatrix. <laughs>
1: So on our perfect starship crew, everybody got to choose a fictional or historical woman that or man that has feminist tendencies to be on our perfect crew. So we're going to go through some of the positions and everybody made a list and we're going to discuss and decide on our perfect feminist super crew.
3: And we have not shared our lists with each other before this recording. Yes. So all of this is coming completely by
1: surprise. Absolutely. I
2: also am apologizing, but uh, ever since we started this episode, I've just been singing in my head, Feminist Super (laughs) Crew."
1: This is my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to go through some of the other positions first, and then we'll lead up to our final pick for Captain. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So let's start off with our first officers. What did people have for their first officer?
2: Well, uh, I have Zoe Washburn from Firefly. Ooh, nice pick. That's a good one. I, I feel like it was maybe almost too obvious because she she's a first officer on another sci-fi show, but um, I love Zoe. I think that she is badass. Uh, she knows when to challenge the captain and when to follow orders. She is great at getting the rest of the crew in line if they're having issues, and uh, she can stay calm under pressure. So I think she'd make a kick-ass first officer.
1: I have to agree with you there. I chose Hermione Granger. And I basically chose Hermione because even though those books basically should have been about Hermione, she was (laughs) a excellent number two, you know, always there for Harry, always pulling him out of the fire. So Hermione Granger, first officer, you know that you would be in a tough situation and she'd reach into her ever-expanding bag of holding and pull out exactly what you need at exactly the right time.
0: Awesome. My um my pick for first officer was actually the deputy parks director of our hearts, Leslie Nope. Ah uh, yes. <laughs>
3: oh my gosh. I thought about her too, actually.
0: I feel like her attitude and her just desire to do her best would be really infectious and just be a really great person to have by your side in a pinch.
1: Besides, and feel- if she could get Ron Swanson to do government work.
0: She could get any captain to stay on task and exactly. love
1: doing it.
3: Well, I have the only real person in this position. Ooh, special. So my pick is Pauli Murray. She was a civil rights activist. She was a lawyer. She essentially invented the term intersectionality when we're talking about race and, and sexism. Mm. She was the first Black woman to be ordained in the Episcopal Church. Oh. So she has... All of this information and knowledge from so many different fields, and I think that that makes a great First Officer. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Also, she was queer. So, there's that. Rock on again.
1: <laughs> All right. Next up, we have our Navigator Helmsman, or I should say Helmswoman.
2: Navigatrix Helmswoman.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, position. <laughs> I chose Nellie Bly, actually. Oh. Yeah, so Nellie Ply is most well known for being a journalist. You know, she made me feel kind of inadequate while I was researching her, because by age 21, she had been deported from Mexico for denouncing the Mexican government as a dictatorship. And she got kicked out of Mexico for just, like, making waves in Mexico, agitating against the Mexican government, which was pretty awesome. She also went undercover at Bellevue and kind of cracked open how badly people were being treated when they were deemed to be mentally ill. But the reason I chose her for this Navigator Helmsman position, or Navigatrix Helmswoman position, is that she actually went around the world in 72 days. Which, when she did it, was a record, although it was uh, beaten shortly afterwards, but I am pretty impressed by anybody who can go around the world in 72 days.
0: And, you know, completely change the way the American public was viewing uh, mental health treatment.
1: Absolutely. She was amazing.
3: Yeah. My pick for this position is Sally Ride. Mm, good one. Which, I wanted to put her in a lot of different spots, but... You know, in addition to being an astronaut and a physicist, Ride was a crack pilot. Like, phenomenal. So I this is where I, I finally slotted her in, and I am happy with it.
0: Well, you guys went with some great historical figures there, but I figured that if I'm going for someone who's a navigator or a helmsman, I want someone who can drive really, really fast and can make for a good getaway <laughs> driver. So I picked Michelle Rodriguez, actress best known for the Fast and the Furious movies.
1: Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and also, That's a good one. I like and that. And also
0: best known in Hollywood for being a lead actress or attempted lead actress who refuses to take parts where she is simply the love interest. Nice. Yeah. And as such, plays a lot of roles where she gets killed off in the third act. <laughs> but she just keeps trucking. Or fasting and furiousing, as it were. <laughs> and I would want her trucking at my helm.
2: Aw. I picked a historical figure as well, Catherine Sui Fan Chung. Um, she was born in Canton in 1984, uh, but immigrated to the U.S. at age 17. She was obsessed with flying from a pretty young age and she married her father's business partner under two conditions, that she got to keep her maiden name and got to learn to fly. And she never broke any speed or distance records, but she was really an accomplished stunt pilot and got to hang out with Amelia Earhart. And uh she has a lot of cool quotes, like, what's the point in flying a plane if you can't have fun doing it? And I think that that would make her fit in with the tradition of star trek pilots like tom paris who just you know really like to fly and have fun doing it and she ended up being the first chinese american woman to earn a pilot's license and was proclaimed china's amelia Earhart. that's cool nice
1: next up we have chief tactical officer slash security chief
2: well, I felt like for me, this
0: one was a no-brainer. But my pick was also in the running for Navigator Helmsman. But this was my first pick for Tactical and Security Chief. I picked Ellen Ripley from the Aliens movies. Oh, yeah. Base. That's good. Mm. Because if I want anyone to have my back in a firefight, it, it's straight up Ripley. No contest. <laughs>
2: This was the hardest one for me because I watched so many detective shows and I had so many people I could have slotted in here. And and uh, Ripley was also on my short list. Uh, but in the end, I'm going to go with Miss Fisher of Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. Nice. Wait, would she have a tiny gold plated <laughs> phaser? Yeah, she has a little gold revolver. And amazing fashion sense. And she's always outsmarting and outwitting and one step ahead of people. So I think she'd be a good tactical officer as well as security chief. And she'd just be, you know, sort of stirring up trouble, but also keeping the law at the same time and being feminist about it. Supporting <laughs> supporting women doing what they want and being sassy and awesome.
3: I went... A little bit more, you know, Odo-esque in terms of my my security chief pick. Very, you know, skeptical and kind of sarcastic to people. Very law-abiding. And my pick is the notorious RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh, that's a good one.
1: (laughs) I have Veronica Mars. So if you've ever watched Veronica Mars, she will always outsmart you. It doesn't matter who you are. She's like a better sheriff than the actual sheriff of that town. And I was
3: positive that we were all gonna go Buffy.
1: I was too actually and I thought about Buffy. I thought about her. But then when it came down to it, like Buffy is really good at punching people in the face, but Veronica Mars is wily, you know? And I was actually thinking she's actually pretty Odo esque too because she's very she's always thinking defensively and she also is not afraid to maybe bend the rules a little bit to get the job done. So that's why I went with Veronica Mars. We'll name the ship Buffy. Yeah, that's a good idea. The USS <laughs> Buffy. Next up, we have Science Officer. And I don't know about you guys, but this is the one that I had, like, the most ideas for.
2: Yeah, I there were a lot of options for this one as well.
1: I ended up with uh, Fred Burkle from Angel. Hmm. She's a physicist that gets sucked into an alternate de- dimension and then, you know, kicks ass there. Before she finally joins Team Angel and basically runs all things science when it comes to Team Angel. She is really awesome. And I actually considered having Root from Person of Interest as well, who is played by Amy Acker as well. But Root is a a little bit too off the grid to be a good Starfleet officer, I think.
3: A little too
0: chaotic for Starfleet.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, I thought about picking Mm Rosalind Franklin... But instead, I picked somebody who got Rosalind Franklin, and that is Jocelyn Bell Burnell. Uh, she is an astrophysicist who discovered radio pulsars, which are, you know, highly magnetized stars that emit electromagnetic radiation. And her work received a Nobel Prize in 1974, but that Nobel Prize actually went to her partner on the project, Antony Hewish. So... There's that. But um, she has said some some stuff about it. You know, essentially, like, I don't need a prize to prove my value. I know what I did. So she is is pretty badass. I was really trying to
2: find a place to slot in Dana Scully in my list. And I really seriously thought about putting her as science officer. But I feel like the way that X-Files is set up, that... Scully and Mulder need each other to balance out their approach. And I feel like Scully on her own as a character isn't written to really be open-minded or imaginative enough for a Star Trek science officer that's seeking out new and weird things all the time. So maybe, I mean, I th- I'm sure she would still be awesome at it. But in the end, I went f- with uh Kasima from Orphan Black, Um, because I think that she is, uh she's kind of Dax-like. She's got like a really... Cool hat on her shoulders. She's pretty wise for her age and uh definitely a talented a talented and flexible scientist.
0: Gotta agree there. Mm-hmm. Well, I figured if I wanted a science officer for a spaceship, I'd want someone who knew a lot about space. So I went with Annie Jumpcannon, who is an American astronomer who's credited with the creation of the Harvard classification scheme and did all this incredible work with Mm. stellar classification, and she did it all while she was mostly deaf. So not only did she do amazing things for women in the scientific field, but also for people of different levels of ableness in the scientific field. And also, I feel like with a name like Jump Cannon, (laughs) she would just make (laughs) aliens tremble in fear with that name alone. That's Mm -hmm. true. Yeah.
1: You know, I'm kind of surprised we haven't had any doubles yet.
3: Yet. There are a lot of awesome women to choose from, or I should say awesome feminists to choose from, not just women. Yeah, that's uh that's true. One reason
1: I bring that up is because uh, our next position is communications officer and I chose the notorious RBG for the communications officer. Oh, Amazing. Yeah. Not speaker of the house. Because- <laughs> Yeah, I was sitting there and I was thinking, who do I want in communications? And I was thinking about linguists and I was thinking about diplomats. And finally, I was like, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, even though her background is in law, does a lot with communication. She's super precise with her language and reading some of the opinions she's writes for the Supreme Court. For some reason, I definitely think that those skills with the law would translate very well to a starship situation. So finally, I went with her.
3: Excellent My comm officer is Ursula K. Oh. Le Guin Ooh. And I thought, in terms of communication and language I, I wanted to, to head towards the author end of things And who better to understand some other cultures than a science fiction author Especially one who has created some works that are not only, you know, science fiction staples But feminist yeah. staples Yeah And she's just amazing
2: I went with Rose from Agent Carter because, uh, she is not just a receptionist. Um, so I feel like in some ways she's a little Uhura-esque because on the surface you might, it might seem like she's just answering the phone, but she's actually a totally competent kick-ass officer or spy in the case of Rose on the side or behind the scenes or under the surface. And for my comm officer, I figured someone who's going to be
0: manning the comms needs to be someone who people are going to want to talk to and who likes to talk to people and has a good attitude. So I went with someone who people seem to like hearing talk and, I, and to keep Leslie Nope company, I went for Aziz Ansari. I like because it. I, yeah. Yes. Because he's <laughs> a big time feminist yeah. and also just someone who people love to hear talk.
1: One of my favorite stories about Aziz Ansari is this woman who was at a New York party, and she was being creeped on by this guy, and she was, like, looking frantically around the room to, like, catch someone's eye, and she caught Aziz Ansari's eye, of all people, and, like, gave him a look, and he came over and pretended to know who she was, like, completely got her away (laughs) from this creep. (laughs) I just love that story. Just think about being able to look to Aziz Ansari, who you don't know, this famous actor, and just be like, yeah, he's the one. Yeah, he's the one that's yeah. going to come save me from this. Your this pal situation. and mine,
0: Aziz Ansari, comm officer.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Everybody likes him. It's a good pick, Grace. I like it. Thank you.
2: Can I honorable mention CJ Craig here? Because a lot of our oh, people oh, yes. brought, us, yes. uh, brought her up um, on their lists on Facebook. And it was really hard for me not to choose CJ. I mean, she's obviously just the
3: best ever
2: uh, from West Wing. Uh, but uh, in the end...
3: We're going to need to go through those. Comments. Yeah, yeah.
2: There's some great ones. So yeah, head over to our Facebook page and look at our listener lists. Uh, but at the end of the day, like CJ, you know, like her job is to spin things and to be really political. And she's really... Yeah, she's amazing at that, but I, I don't know that she would make a good, like, communications officer on a starship the way that we see that job being done.
0: We'll name the runabout after
1: her. Yeah. There you go. All right. Uh, Next up, we have Chief Engineer. And I went to the Firefly c- crew as well here, Uh, Jera. I went with Kaylee for our engineer. I just like how she is creative problem solver. You know, she's holding that... She's holding Serenity together basically with duct tape at this point and making it work. And that's the kind of engineer I want, you know, pulling it out in big emergencies. For my
0: chief engineer, I went with someone who's from space and has a lot of experience building spacecrafts and fixing mechanics. And I went with Pearl from Steven Universe. Nice. (laughs) Because we see her do everything from fix a van to build a functioning robot to building a spaceship out of stuff she found in a garage.
1: Yeah, Pearl, Pearl was mentioned on our Facebook page as well. Yeah, plus she'd be able to ha- lend
0: a hand in any fight, and she's got, you know, holographic projecting and is an alien, so could lend a lot of experience in other departments.
2: Mm, good call. Yeah. Um, I actually put Sally Ride in as chief engineer. Kaylee is an awesome choice, but I figured someone else would cover her off, because... There are a lot of notable real women engineers, but it it is still one of the fields where women are the most underrepresented. And uh, there are not a lot of women engineers other than B'Elanna and Kaylee that were springing to mind from TV. Sally Ride had her master's and doctorate in physics from Stanford. And she, when she was on the shuttle, worked on the robotic arm to help release satellites into space. And she taught as professor of physics and directed the California Space Institute after her retirement. And also put a lot of work into pushing for better STEM education and particularly for more access for uh, girls and young women.
1: I think it's clear that we need both uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Sally Ride on any crew we have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we
0: we couldn't do a space crew without one or both of them, I don't think.
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, if we're talking ideal.
3: Well, my chief engineer pick is a real person who really sent real people into real space. That is uh, Margaret Hamilton. Mm. She was the lead software engineer on the Apollo project. If you've seen that photo that goes around Facebook every now and then of the woman standing next to the printed out code she wrote for the Apollo project that is as tall as she is, that's Mm -hmm. Margaret Hamilton. And, you know, we would not have reached the moon in 1969 if it were not for her. So I want her fixing my dilithium crystals. Yeah, that's a good
1: pick, Sue. I like it. Next up, we have doctor, chief medical officer, doctor. I know it'll be hard for you to to choose
3: someone other than Bev, Sue. (laughs) Not, no. (laughs) It's not cheating. We promise. I could do it because I went with another real pioneer in our space program who is also a real physician, Dr. Mae Jemison. So, not, yeah, not only was she the first African American woman in space in september nineteen ninety two she also appeared on an episode of the Next Generation, but in real life uh became a physician. And one of my favorite things that, that she has said about all of her experiences, I wrote this quote down after looking up some details, was, society should recognize how much both women and members of minority groups can contribute if given the opportunity.
2: I was really close to choosing her as well, and partly because there's this great story about when Mae Jemison was in the Peace Corps, and she was a doctor in Sierra Leone. And when she was there, she was also responsible being in charge of like the pharmacy and the labs and writing manuals and, recommendations and stuff. So it felt like a really chief medical officer kind of job. Um, But someone got really, really sick. And she suspected that they had meningitis instead of malaria. And she ended up ordering a Peace Corps helicopter to evacuate them because they couldn't be treated in Sierra Leone. And it ended up being kind of a scandal because this helicopter cost like $50,000. And she basically put her foot down and was like, I'm not going to put a price on someone's life, you don't have the right to tell me that as a doctor, I can't do everything in my power to save this person. And I thought that was kind of like a Dr. Crusher-esque moment. Like, Mm. it felt like very much like Dr. Crusher would do in that scenario. Totally.
3: Yeah. And I mean, it was talked about on our Uhura episode. But I mean, Dr. Jemison is a real life example of representation matters. You know, she decided she could go to space because she saw Uhura on Star Trek, and was a Star Trek fan. And she did it which is amazing Mm -hmm. i had a lot of places that i thought about putting her and then in the
1: end i was just like somebody else is gonna put her so you're
3: welcome
2: Yeah, the person I ended up going with for this was uh, Michelle Bachelet, who is the president of Chile. But before she was the president of Chile, she was a doctor. When she was in medical school at the University of Chile, her father was arrested and tortured for opposing Pinochet's military coup, and he died in custody. Her and her mother were also arrested and tortured, and they were released into exile, and she – ended up returning to Chile and ret- uh, finishing her degree, but she was basically blacklisted because of her family's politics and uh, so she joined a medical clinic treating torture victims and then finally, once Pinochet was deposed, uh, she became active in socialist politics and was the first woman to head the defense ministry of the the country. And in between her times, she served um as president with a gap in between. She became the head of the newly established UN Women. She was reelected the president in 2014. But I mean, so all these things, she's like clearly inspiring. But she also was elected despite being a separated agnostic woman in a super, super Roman Catholic country. Like the president before her was the first person to make divorce legal in any case in Chile. And since being reelected last year, she's been working on um, getting exemptions that allow abortion in the case of uh, rape or um, danger to the life of the mother. And all of this is like a very uphill battle in Chile. And as a doctor... She has the quote, Because I'm a doctor, I know when you have an injury, it will heal if it's clean enough to heal. If your injury is dirty, it won't heal. And so when you're talking in societies, we are also talking in healing processes. And for a good healing process, you need to make things right.
0: Wow. I knew I should have gone first in this one. I could, how do I fill those <laughs> last two up? This is my first and I hope only repeat that we've had on the list. I, uh, I actually picked for my doctor, Dr. Dana Scully, because I figured she might not be the best for a science officer, but as far as a doctor goes, she's a trained surgeon, she's used to seeing a lot of stuff, a lot of weird stuff, and can <laughs> just get the job done. Yeah.
1: I think she could handle all of the weird illnesses we always, that always crop up in space. I picked someone who actually wasn't a doctor, Hildegard von Bingen. So she was a nun, of all things, and a nun in like... 1136 like the 12th century nun and they put her in a the ground like so back in the day they used to basically lock up mostly women underground and they would like pray and they never left well she got out of there while she was in this hole in the ground she wrote all of these books about botany and medicine that were like completely groundbreaking for their time and still used like hundreds of years later. And then she also became rather a political powerhouse in the church after that. So I'm thinking to myself, this woman did this much from like being trapped underground. Imagine what she would do if you gave her a hypo spray and sent her into space, you know? Nice. She wasn't a doctor cause she couldn't be a doctor, but I feel like if you took her out of that time and, and gave her the opportunities, I feel like she is a brilliant woman that would definitely make a difference. Totally. Yeah. Okay, next up, I have First Contact Specialist. Yes! This is a position we basically made up because we wanted to.
3: <laughs> well, no, it's in the books, the shared continuity books that take place post-Nemesis. Yeah. So there is that. We didn't totally make it Well, and we sort of...
2: Um, In the episode Tin Man, you get the guy, Tim Elbrin, who's like a first contact specialist, the betazoid guy.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. So,
2: Starfleet has them kicking around. I, I can go first for this one because my pick is Squirrel Girl. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I picked Squirrel Girl is because she has those Deadpool trading cards that tell her who everyone is that they meet. And so, she could just oh, like talk into. to Tippy, her squirrel sidekick, and get her playing cards and it would automatically be able to tell them what they should do to deal with the people and she always then can like use her charm, squirrel wrangling abilities or special fighting superpowers to subdue or communicate with a new person.
3: Wow, mine is way more serious than that. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I was like I'll go first. (laughs) Yeah, I picked bell hooks. Oh wow, that's a great (laughs) pick you know just for for the observation skills and the 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 communication and observing what's going on in in interpersonal relationships and and societal relationships so yeah totally different end of the spectrum there
1: <laughs> i like to think that bell hooks and squirrel girl would totally get along
2: Could, should we maybe <laughs> tell people who bell hooks is just in case some of our listeners aren't familiar with feminist theory as much as we all are
3: yeah so bell hooks is an author and social activist And she writes about, you know, feminism and intersectionality. And a lot of her works have become, like, touchstone pieces, almost for for feminist theory.
2: Yeah, I always recommend people read her, she has like a really brief, accessible handbook called Feminism is for Everybody. And even though it's more than 15 years old now it's still really relevant and it's a good primer for people who want to learn more about feminism um, but she's also done a lot of incredible work on uh, like you were saying intersectionality uh, particularly around cultural theory and she's written books on lesbian love on uh, men and masculinities and all kinds of things she's a quite prolific writer and i really recommend checking out videos for on youtube or picking up some of her books
1: I think it's funny that you brought up feminism is for everybody. Cause I literally have copies of feminism is yeah. for everybody that I give out to people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so you're new to feminism. Cool. But it's, it is, it's a, it's a, it's a nuanced look at feminism, but it's also accessible. I mean, her, her main thing is writing about the intersection of race and gender so uh, mm-hmm. one of her most famous books is Ain't I a Woman, Black Women and Feminism, which is amazing if you haven't read it. But she also writes a lot about class and how feminism works, changes a lot based on your class structure. So anyway, everybody should read Bell Hooks. Yay, Bell Hooks. Hooray. Good pick, Sue. I like it. And I really do think that her and Squirrel Girl would be BFFs. <laughs>
3: Yeah. And if her her jumping into her writing sounds a little bit, I don't know, intimidating, you could maybe even start with the Tumblr account saved by the bell hooks. <laughs> yes. Where they take bell hooks quotes and superimpose them over saved by the bell screen caps and it's kind of amazing. Very much so.
0: <laughs> now, um when I was thinking about first contact, the first thing I thought about is the first contact party because that feels like a big establishing welcoming factor letting them know that you are a peaceful people who wants everyone to feel welcome. And when I thought about a good party, I thought about Nora Charles from The Thin Man, who <laughs> not not only is able to throw an awesome party, but is able to throw an awesome party where policemen and cro- ex-criminals and crooks can all be together and enjoy a common theme. And I really... Uh, consider her a feminist character based on the fact that in the noir genre, you do not see a lot of times where characters, specifically married characters, who are husband and wife treat each other on equal footing, and I think that's the really, the part that really drew me into the Thin Man book and the movies. Um, her husband's a detective, she's a high socialite, they treat each other equally as intelligent and as comrades, and they don't second-guess each other, and I think that's really great to see. Especially in a genre that gets really misogyny-heavy. And also, if you're going with Nora Charles, you got to say, by extension, Sadie Doyle from Thrilling Adventure Hour. <laughs> I feel like both of them could throw an awesome party with people from millions of different cultures and be like, Hey,
2: come on in! Welcome to the group! Amazing. I mean, Sadie is always winning over vampires and warlocks and stuff, so she'd have no problem with, with new life. And they're basically the same character, so it works with either one. <laughs> yes, indeed.
1: I really am enjoying thinking about this amazing party that's gonna include all of these people. Um, right? The and first how contact they, party. It's gonna, it's gonna be even better than, you know, what dinner party would you have with people? <laughs> this is gonna be what first contact party would you have? For my first contact specialist, I chose Janet Mock, who is a trans activist and writer, and I just thought that, for one thing, she's incredibly witty and welcoming person i think and then also just the her ability to be empathetic to people in different situations and you know activism is all about getting other people to see your point of view even if they are even if they are predisposed to dismiss you and so i think that she
3: would be very good at first contact and i think she would also rock at that party <laughs> that's a great pick i almost made her my first officer
1: yeah janet mock is another one of those where i was like i gotta have her somewhere where shall i put her and first contact specialist is is perfect for her i think and next up we have the counselor ship's counselor Ooh, yes i picked oprah <laughs> ah, I, I can dig it <laughs> i I mean the research for this episode is actually really fun because you just i went through this like wikipedia wormhole where i was just like clicking from amazing woman to amazing woman and being like (laughs) oh my gosh this person and this person and this person so i was like digging through like all of these women that made huge strides in psychology and i was like all of these women are really really cool and then i chose oprah
0: (laughs) (laughs) People like Oprah. People just naturally trust Oprah.
1: Yes, these are all the reasons why I chose Oprah. I was like, if you're going to have somebody that you're going to trust with your secrets, I feel like it would be Oprah.
0: Also, I have to do this if we're going to bring up Oprah. I'm sorry, you guys, but I'm not sorry. Everybody gets a new runabout!
1: (laughs) (laughs) A runabout named after C.J. Craig. I just
2: couldn't choose Oprah because she would go to a conference and she'd bring Dr. Phil back. And then everything would just go all awful. She'd be like, oh, look, here's this new expert I met. No. If this was a universe in which she could not draw on Dr. Phil or Dr. Oz, I would be totally cool with it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, as long as she can't bring any friends. Aside from (laughs) Gail. I went for someone who um, is a fictional character who's known for being able to handle a tricky situation via psychiatric help, and I went with Dr. Melfi from The Sopranos. Because I feel like after you've been the psychiatrist for, like, this big hulking metaphor for toxic masculinity and violence, that you can really handle any, any emotional situation after that.
1: I almost picked her, too, by the way. I was like, if you could handle being a therapist to Tony Soprano, who in Starfleet is going to be worse than that?
0: If you can force that whole mess of a human being open and get him to talk about his feelings, then damn, girl, you are welcome on my ship.
2: (laughs) So I picked a historical figure, Georgine Seward. She's was an early feminist psychologist born in Washington, D.C. in 1902, and she was constantly overlooked for promotion during her time after getting her degree when she was teaching at Barnard College in favor of less experienced male colleagues. So she turned to researching women's roles, and her first major study that she did debunked the idea that menstruation made women less effective at work. And uh then later in life, her and her husband moved to California and she taught at the University of Southern California from 1946 to 1972 and did a whole whack of cool research. She was really one of the first women psychologists to do research on the idea that gender roles were not necessarily biologically innate and trying to separate out what was biological and what was social. And so she looked at how gender roles varied across regions and across historical periods and made, she tried to debunk the idea that things like intelligence are innately different for men and women. So I thought that was pretty cool and that that would earn her a place on Feminist Super Crew. I did have a little bit of a second thought about would she actually be good as a therapist, but in the post- TNG novels we get to see like ships where there's a counselor like heading a team of counselors and it might be cool to have someone who's a more like research driven psychologist Mm. heading up a team of people who are doing more of the actual one-on-one therapy work
0: yay deep space therapy for everyone well that is cool certainly
2: feel like on a ship of a thousand people you might need more than one counselor like you need more than one (laughs) counselor in a school of 400 people
3: so yeah my pick is Nawal El-Saroui. She is an Egyptian activist and writer, uh, also physician and psychiatrist. She, as a, um, as a girl, was a victim of genital cutting in Egypt, and for the last 60 years has campaigned against the practice in Egypt uh, while continuing uh, to, to practice as a physician and psychiatrist. So it's along those same lines of, of rights for girls I feel like our mental health is in really good hands.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah. Next up on the ship, morale officer. <laughs> it took me exactly two seconds to decide who my
3: morale officer was, and it's Beyonce.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Mine is J Law, Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Mine's Carrie Fisher.
3: Oh, yeah, that's a
1: great one. Carrie Fisher always makes me happy.
2: Yeah, I was just like, I want Carrie Fisher to be in here somewhere. But I don't know what her job could be, because she's like a writer and entertainer. But I was like, she always makes me smile. So, morale officer.
3: You know what I love about Carrie Fisher is that she is not at all shy about taking Gary, her dog, everywhere. Yeah. And, and saying, you know, this is something that I need in order to be able to do my job. And I think it is helping really to normalize like therapy animals, support animals, in a lot of ways.
0: And just her history of talking very openly about her mental health issues and how they're treated and talking about, you know, doing ECT in the modern era and just being so frank and open about it has done incredible things for just talking about mental health for, you know, at least a lot of sci-fi fans.
1: Absolutely. The other thing I really love about Carrie Fisher is the way she'll call out the ageism. Ooh, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, yep. it's amazing. She'll be like, oh, no, I don't look exactly the same as I did 30 years ago.
3: Shocking.
1: Yep. And she's just, she's always doing it with, like, this really piercing wit. That just makes me laugh. She's, she's, I'm here for Carrie Fisher, man. Yeah. But
2: I feel like, you know, we can't discount your other picks, especially Beyonce, who many of us, Considered like she should just be our de facto captain. Or our ship name. Should be the USS (laughs) fiance.
0: My pick is Molly Weasley because I feel like she'd make sure everyone was warm and everyone had gotten enough to eat. I love it. (laughs) And also would secretly be an awesome spy if needed.
1: Oh She would make us all sweaters. (laughs) We would get Weasley sweaters. In
0: Starfleet colors.
1: And see, instead of like choosing one or the other, I I'll, so at the end of all of these, I'm thinking about how they'd work together. So I'm like, I'm picturing Beyonce wearing a Weasley sweater right now and it's glorious.
0: <laughs> she would rock it.
1: Let's face it. Yeah.
0: Oh, oh yeah, she could be wearing a burlap sack and it would look amazing.
1: <laughs> That's true. And last but definitely not least, or I second have second last. Yeah. Yes, before the captain. We have
0: Nurse. For my nurse, I picked someone who is best known, kind of, for, you know, doing great emancipation work and working as a spy, but also was a field nurse during the Civil War. I picked Harriet Tubman. Because if anyone knows how to, you know, help out a doctor or work as a nurse in a firefight, it's probably the woman who was, you know, leading tons of people to freedom in the darkness of night and also, you know, dodging bullets on the battlefield.
1: Totally. I chose uh, a real person here um and it's Mary Eliza Mahoney and she was the first black woman to become a nurse in the United States in 1879 and she also started a association for black nurses which was I think is pretty cool and she also started a orphanage for black children in New York City so I was like that's pretty impressive I will have her as a nurse
2: Yeah, I read a bit about her too. And she was her reputation was so amazing at that time. Like, Nurses were also expected to do domestic work and she refused to be treated like a domestic servant and to have to eat with the domestic servants because she was determined that nursing was going to be a dignified profession. And she had this incredible reputation where she had people requesting her services. She was in Massachusetts and she had people in like New Jersey and New York and even as uh, far away as North Carolina sending for her services.
1: Yeah, she's amazing. And one of those people that I found going through all of these, all this research, just going from amazing woman to amazing woman, I had never heard of her and I'm just really impressed with all that she managed to do, especially in the time period that she managed to do it.
2: I picked another pioneering woman of color nurse, uh, Charlotte Edith Anderson Montour, who was the first First Nations Canadian woman to train and work as a nurse. She was born on the Six Nations of the Grand River Reserve. But because of racial discrimination, she was prohibited from attending nursing school in Canada. So she ended up going to the United States. And she joined the New Rochelle Contingent of the Army Nurse Corps after finishing her nursing education, and she served in France during World War I. She was one of only 14 Indigenous women to do so. Uh, After the war, she returned to the reserve, and she got married and had kids, but she also continued to work part-time at the hospital because she considered it really important to continue to use her skills to help her community. And she passed away at age 105.
3: Wow. My pick is Margaret Sanger, mm-hmm. popularizer of the term birth control, sex educator, and founder of Planned Parenthood. So I don't think there's really much to add to that.
2: <laughs> no, she's a pretty cool person as well. Um, there's a really great graphic novel biography of her by Peter Bag, B-A-G-G-E. Yes. Yeah, it's Bagg. Yeah, if uh anyone's interested in learning more about her. Um she had some complicated politics, but she did a lot of really cool stuff for women.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Can we just talk
0: uh stop for a minute and note that almost all of us for our nurse figures uh
2: picked a non-white woman. Mm-hmm. No,
0: it's just interesting that we this was a role that we were able to find more
2: yeah, well, certainly it was one of the earliest fields open. I mean, it was basically a field created and legitimated by women and then one of the earliest fields that was open to women in education, um, which also meant it was open to more women of color sooner than a lot of the other things, like harder for engineering and and medicine and some of the other fields we looked at.
3: Well, before we go on to Captain, I just also wanted to note that I have an extra position here that I, I, sort of based on on Keiko running the school, and I guess my my teacher or principal or educator would be Malala Yousafzai.
2: Awesome. Yeah.
3: I mean, clearly a pioneer for for education for women and girls, stating that education is what can can change minds and can change the world, and she is incredibly inspirational. I adore her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think she's that's a to adore. position.
2: She was another one where I'm like, where would I put her in? And that is the perfect solution. Education, ad onboard education advocate. So assuming none of us chose any guys for captain, were there any other, like, men on our short lists that just, like, didn't quite make the cut? Because for me, I was like, there's obviously feminist men. This is really cool. But knowing where we're at now part of the role of feminist men is like often to step aside and make more space for women so i couldn't really justify a lot of positions picking a feminist man over a qualified feminist woman but wondering if there's any other ones that like would have liked to include it if we had more positions
0: uh well i was on my short list for doctor at one point i had hawkeye pierce
2: from mash
3: yeah (laughs)
2: Although, he doesn't really get to be feminist until later, but yes.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, like like my nurse pick, that is a complicated choice. <laughs> yeah, right, but also...
2: Alan Alda, I, though.
3: Yeah, that's
0: that's why I wanted to go with him. I, I actually had it written down as Alan Alda, maybe Hawkeye Pierce.
2: Alan Alda could also be a good morale officer, or he could, like, be an admiral. Uh, he'd be an awesome admiral. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The guy who tells admiral you, damn Hawkeye. it, you gotta play by the book. I'm thinking Admiral Alan Alda, like, yeah, that he's like, <laughs> he's charming and grandfatherly. But you know, he was one of the uh, men at the forefront of the fight for the Equal Rights Amendment when it first came up. And uh, he has some there's some fun. Uh, you can look up like YouTube videos of him, like working with a little girl to use a really old computer. And it's adorable.
0: And you can hear him singing on the album Free to Be You and Me about how it's okay for little boys to have dolls too. It's very cute.
3: One of my favorites uh, of of the comments we got on our Facebook post was for Federation President Laura Roslin.
1: Oh, that is a good one. I like it. Just in general, you should definitely check out our Facebook uh, comments on this post because there are some truly, truly cool pics that I would have never thought of, but that immediately went, yeah!
2: I also feel like this is a little bit cheating, but I wouldn't mind an Admiral Patrick Stewart. He can't be Captain Picard. <laughs> he has to be Patrick Stewart. But obviously, Patrick Why Stewart is another yeah. man who has done a lot for feminist women's causes, particularly Absolutely. the fight against domestic violence, violence against women.
3: Also, I very much enjoy the comment Donna Noble as Donna Noble. <laughs> yes, <laughs>
2: Me everyone too. needs a
3: Donna Noble. <laughs> I actually almost put Donna Noble as my
2: morale officer. I felt um, <laughs> I was I was really struggling because I wanted Doctor Who characters in here. And there are some great women on Doctor Who, but there haven't been a lot of really good Doctor Who feminist writers. And uh so I considered Martha Jones for Doctor, but ultimately went with a real life example instead. And then I was like, Donna Noble as morale officer.
3: I think another great pick from Doctor Who would have been Sarah Jane. Yeah. Yeah. So is it time for the
2: grand unveiling of our
1: captains? Yeah, are we ready to to discuss captains? Yeah.
3: This was the hardest one for me.
1: Yes, it was so hard I didn't pick one. (laughs) I just, I got to the point where I was like frozen in indecision. I was like, I don't know. It's too much pressure. I had too many ideas and I was like, but I could do this person. I could do that person. And finally I just shut down. So I have no pick for captain. I will leave that up to you. You can have my
2: pick or one of my two.
1: Okay. There we go. Jared does two and I do none. And we all, (laughs) we end
3: up with four. It evens out. It evens out.
2: So the pick that I will let you have is um, we're gonna go feminist super crew <laughs> captain by Demora Zulu. Did that work? <laughs> hey, rhymes and everything. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like we ended the last two episodes with Demora Zulu for captain, so I had to have her in there. Although I I gather we're sort of not supposed to use Star Trek characters, otherwise that would have been a whole different show. But she was only in, like, a scene of one movie.
3: I'll let it slide. I mean, if we limited ourselves to Star Trek characters, we wouldn't have that many choices, unfortunately. Yeah, that's
2: true. It would be, like, obvious we were going to have Engineer Vipalana and stuff, and it would only be a debate around, like, First Officer and Captain. I- and then I also had Beyonce, uh, because Beyonce would just be great. And But then a lot of people on her Facebook uh, actually suggested Birgitta Nyberg, who's the prime minister on the the Danish TV show Borgen, which I am weirdly obsessed with. So I decided that I would put her in there on behalf of those listeners who really like Borgen, too. She's actually a very kind of Janeway-esque character. She's a woman who is struggling to balance her life and work and is mediating conflicting sides of parliament sort of like Janeway mediates between the different factions of the crew early on. And I think that she has the ability to be graceful under pressure to step in and make other people uh, fall into line to negotiate tough decisions and just to be generally awesome and in- inspire confidence to do the right thing that a Starfleet captain needs. So I recommend that TV show if anyone's interested in politics and women in politics in particular. And uh, I will stand behind Brigida Nyberg for captain. Nice. I
0: nominate Captain Gina Davis. Nice. Advocate for the expansion of roles for women in Hollywood. Very intelligent Mensa member. And Oscar winner, so you know she'd be really good at giving those big grand captain speeches.
3: Plus, she's a really good catcher. I can't tell you how much I love that movie. <laughs> the League of I their, love that movie League so their much. Own.
0: And she is in real life an Olympic-level archer. What? Mm-hmm.
1: She's amazing. So
0: again, if there's a firefight on the bridge and she has to go into a ranged attack mode, she can just pull
1: on bow and arrow. I'm down with it. I like that.
0: Look it up. There are pictures (laughs) of her on the set of A League of Their Own with a bow and arrow.
3: My pick for Captain is Coretta Scott King. Uh, Undoubtedly a wonderful leader. Uh, She devoted her whole life to civil rights and equality for women, founding the National Organization for Women in 1966, and was also the first woman to deliver the Class Day Address at Harvard, which is apparently a very big deal at
1: Harvard. Well, yeah. Fun fact. If you're at my Harvard, first, everything about
3: Harvard is a big
1: deal. My first um, research project ever was on Coretta Scott King, so I have like a special place in my heart for her. because my first school project of like looking, doing all the research and finding pictures of her and putting them on poster board. I love her. Yeah, so I think we came up with some really cool picks for our feminist super crew. Is there anything else anybody wants to add to this admittedly out-of-this-world crew? Well,
0: if we know that since money isn't an issue anymore, everyone will be paid equally. <laughs> <laughs>
2: nice. <laughs> Um, I am super happy. I'm just gonna like go to sleep now and have dreams about our crew, about like the time when Admiral Alan Alda came to visit Captain Coretta Scott King. <laughs> and meanwhile, morale officer Beyonce is, uh, trying to deal with her new Weasley sweater and
1: <laughs> they're all partying at the first contact party.
2: Ripley is wearing
0: her exosuit and everything, trying to do the robot in it.
2: Counselor Oprah's helping out Kaylee with some of her dating insecurities.
0: <laughs> and helping Pearl <laughs> dear with her abandonment issues. Yeah, exactly.
3: Is there anybody that you wanted to get on this list that you couldn't find a place for?
1: I tried to fit in a- Aung San Su Lee. Oh yeah, me too. Uh I really, I, I kept trying to find a place for her and couldn't quite... I thought about Angelica Schuyler for her first officer. I definitely did. I wanted to put more robots on my list. A lot of people
2: to uh, seem to like the idea of Queen Elizabeth the First as captain. I was trying to find a place for Ada Lovelace.
0: Yeah.
3: And
2: yeah, like science officer. Yeah, or engineer.
3: Yeah. But I liked both of my picks so much.
2: <laughs> I know, and same with uh Hetty Lamar as another person who could have been. A I cool also engineer. had Grace Hopper on my science
0: officer shortlist. I would have really liked to have her in there but then but the jump cannon defense just sounded too good to pass up
2: yes indeed anyway i'm pretty happy with our list um i definitely think you know it was a little bit challenging for me to find people who uh, were both born and raised outside of north america it which actually kind of replicated the problem we have in star trek where like most of the characters and, you know, the times when we go back in time and all that stuff is also about, like, North American European history. Um, so it would be cool, especially if people had suggestions for the super crew that were people who could help bring more diverse perspectives. But I think we, we got a pretty cool diverse list of people, mostly from North America, but different backgrounds.
1: I am definitely proud of our group. All right. Well, it was great talking about our feminist super crew, but this is just one of the many topics being discussed on the Track FM network recently. So here's a quick look at some of the other things you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, The Ready Room.
2: You don't create a better future... And then it's just there, and it's just stagnant, and nothing ever threatens it, right? That's not reality. Yeah, you'd end up with Star Trek The Next Generation if you did that, right? Not- right, well, exactly. <laughs> and I think that's why a lot of people who love The Next Generation don't like Deep Space Nine, because Deep Space Nine challenges
1: that premise. The 602 Club. That's that's a great point, and I love that you bring that up, it, it, kind of thinking about, you know, Cap has this continuing
2: education for his modern education.
1: Saturday Morning Trek. We have Star Trek the Animated Series coming to Blu ray okay i see so rather than producing deep space 9 and voyager uh which everyone wants on blu-ray the animated series
2: has already been scanned into hd and if you watch netflix you'll see them in that that higher resolution so it's not much of a a leap to put it together
1: into blu-ray
3: you know it's not the blu-ray that people wanted but it's the blu-ray that they deserve
1: and that's what else is happening on trek.fm We also wanted to let you know about the Trek FM Patreon. Trek FM is a listener-supported network. You can help us keep the Star Trek discussion coming by pledging a donation at patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm. Every little bit helps keep Women at Warp and the other Trek FM podcasts up and running. So once you're done with the show, again, please consider hopping over to patreon.com slash trekfm.
3: Well, I think that does it for us, Sue. Where can people find you elsewhere on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at spelltor. That's S P A L T O R, or over at AnomalyPodcast.com.
1: And how about you, Grace? You
0: can find me on Twitter at bonecrusherjank and on Tumblr if you are into the tumbles.
2: And I am
0: GraceHeartStarTrek.tumblr.com. trek dot tumblr dot
1: com. Yes.
2: And how about you, Jara? I am on Tumblr at trekkiefeminist.tumblr.com, and I'm also on Twitter at J-A-R-R-A-H-Penguin.
1: And I'm Andy. You can follow me most easily on Twitter, where I'm at
3: truck, where I'm live-tweeting my first time through the Star Trek universe. If you'd like to get in touch with all of us, you can email us at crew at, women at warp.com. And you can find us on Twitter at Women at Warp or on Facebook, Facebook facebook.com slash Women at Warp.
1: So that's it for us. Thanks so much for listening.